passages of Scripture. So uh, I'll have a number of them on the uh, slides uh, behind me. And uh, you'll be able to follow along. And uh, when we get to uh, the book of Job, I'm going to ask you actually to turn there because I won't have the full text up here, but I'd like you to see that. Before I start, uh, you go, hold on a second, this is uh, Memorial Day. Well, um, it's going to take me forever to get through Genesis anyway. So uh, we'll have the patriotic songs and uh, we'll um, remind us of that and be thankful in that direction. But we're going to look at a different direction. There's something called spiritual warfare. There are indeed spirits around us that are at war. Angels? And demons. Uh, If you don't know this, demons are fallen angels, evil spirits. Uh, They fell with Satan himself. Uh, But today we're going to look at angels, good angels. We're not going to be dealing with demons. We will deal with that later because they come after the fall. Um, After Satan falls, we are looking at the way angels were created from the beginning and those that have been obedient and remain with God, how they deal with us. According to the Bible, angels are important. According to the world for the past 15 years, angels are everything. They're all over. And they have been. Maybe that popularity and that wave is kind of cresting a little bit and going down the other side. But angels have been a big deal. Are angels real? The answer is absolutely they are. Does God use them? He absolutely does. On the other hand, have they in the last, as I said, 15 years been overemphasized and made to be something they are not? The answer is also yes to that. This morning, in uh, about 35 minutes or less, I plan to give you an overview. I will tell you that I spent about two years in prayer meeting going over angels and demons. I'm going to condense that down into 35 minutes this morning. Uh, It will definitely be a thumbnail sketch of it. I do know from the Bible, and if you are in Genesis chapter 1, the very last verse, and the first verse of chapter 2, I'd like to read that. If you'd follow along, please. Because it sets the stage of why we're dealing with angels now. And God saw that everything that he had made, and God saw that he, now, let me start over again. I'm going from ad lib to reading and it didn't work. And God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. The word host is army. There are two armies that I'm aware of. There are those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. We are one army. You can see that in the book of Revelation. And there is the army of those angels that have remained faithful to God. Those are his two armies. Here it says that those armies were already created on those first six days. We haven't decided where in those six days yet. We will get to that as we go through. If you're wondering about, is this a subject worth Christians dealing with? The answer is absolutely yes. I'm going to turn my attention. You can if you want. I'll be there and write off of it. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now there it's talking about prophets, those speaking on God's behalf as people. But the truth of the matter is, it says, don't believe every spirit. There are spiritual forces that would mislead us. In fact, is that same passage goes on in verse 6 to say this. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's what it comes down to. Spiritual warfare is going on, angels fighting on our side, demons fighting against us. How do you know what is from God and what is not? It comes back to one thing. If you ever hear anything other than this from this church, this pulpit, or any Sunday school teacher, please tell me, because we got a problem, because the final bottom line, the final authority is the Word of God. If you didn't notice that, it didn't say Bible or Word in there. It just says that the Apostle John said, we are from God. So he's making a very bold claim. He's saying, I'm speaking for God. Then it goes on to say, the ones who know God listen to us. Well, what's he talking about? He's the one that wrote the passage. It says the one that's not from God doesn't listen to us. And how do we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? We go back to what the apostles have told us. That's always where we go. Do angels bring messages? You better believe it. They brought messages to Abraham. They brought messages to Mary. They brought messages to Joseph, etc. Lots more, but those are just a few examples of that. So God does use angels, but we need to put them in the proper biblical context. In fact, is I believe that the overemphasis of angels that has been going on for the last while in the United States and even in the church is a modern day form of Gnosticism. Gnosticism is just the Greek word for knowledge. That's all it means. And it's that mystical knowledge that you can have without Christ and without the Bible. Now, there are various forms of it. There were all kinds of forms back in Paul and John's day, and it still exists today. Any mystery kind of uh, organization where they say we have hidden truth is one of those kind. The general thing about Gnosticism is this. There is a God, and he's perfectly holy and perfectly good, and then there's you and the earth and physical things. And they are all bad. Flesh is bad, spirit is good. God is good, everything else is bad. And so, if God is going to interact with us, He can't come in the form of the God-man, Jesus Christ. He has to have a number of go-betweens. Entities that go between God and this world. Angels fit that, specifically Uh, fit that emphasis. And I believe we have a form of that. So, it's wrong to neglect angels because God does use them. You'll see that as we go. And you read the Bible, you find out He does. But it's also wrong to overemphasize them. In our context of the book of Genesis, if you don't get the idea of angels correct... When you get to Genesis chapter 6, you're going to have some real fuzzy theology and some real fuzzy interpretation of Bible. 
So we need to look at what angels are and what they are not and what they can do and what they can't do. And so, right up front, they were created beings. Let's look at what the Bible says, and we'll do this in an expeditious manner. That means we will actually get done on time this morning. Uh, What about angels? What are they? By definition, they're messengers. Old Testament word, New Testament word, they're messengers. Ambassadors on God's behalf. In other words, angels many times do indeed speak on God's behalf. That's what you need to know. The word angel simply means messenger. That's all it means, but it's used in a way to describe beings. They are personal beings, which simply means this, that they have an intellect, they can think, they have desire, sensibility, and emotions. They can desire to do something or not do something. And they also have a will. They can choose to carry those things out. Theirs is different than ours, though. See, man, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God and never had a second chance. Angels are stronger in power than we are, but here's what is also not true. They don't have the joy that you and I have in Christ because those angels that chose to rebel against God never had an opportunity to repent to be redeemed because Christ did not die for angels. He died for human beings. In fact, is in Peter, it says they long to look into those things. It's still a mystery to them because they have never experienced redemption. Praise the Lord, I'm a human being. Because if I blew it, I get a second chance. I get to trust Christ. I get to have a second birth, a new creation, become a new creation. They do not. What is true of them? They are not. This is the most, probably the most popular of all of them, that they are the spirits of deceased human beings. In other words, somebody dies and they turn into an angel. It, I don't know how many funerals I've been at where people read poems and all kinds of things and talked about their, their loved one who is now an angel in heaven with God. I understand the sentiment. I understand the emotion. It's dead biblically wrong. It's just not true. They are not human beings in any way, shape, or form. They're personal beings just like we are, but they are not human beings, and uh, we do not turn into angels. We also need to know that angels uh, were created before man. We're going to prove that here in a few moments. They are powerful, but not all powerful. They are stronger than you are. In Christ, we are stronger than the angels. But on our own, angels are much mightier and powerful than we are. All of the angels, as we will see, were created um, in the very beginning. And so they have thousands of years of accumulated knowledge. They, They know a lot more than we do. And yes, as I already mentioned, they are between God and man. But they are not the mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Anybody that puts angels in there and has uh, prophecies and all those revelations coming from angels, you got a problem. By the way, how do you know if it's real or not? Go back to the Word of God. That's where I started, and I'll come back to it again a few times before this is over. Because angels are a little bit different than a few other subjects. 
Most subjects you can look at and see some physical things. You can see angels. They're spirits. And so it's a little more difficult to prove things and look at them. What is the origin of angels? And we're just going to quickly go through this. They are a direct creation by God. And if you want to, you can turn to Psalm 148. I have part of that here. I'm going to read the whole passage, uh, verses 2 through 5. It says, Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all stars of light. Praise Him, highest heavens, and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. Now notice, he is talking about creation of animate and inanimate things. Angels are living beings. Sun, moon, and stars are dead. He says, I created them all. I'm the one that spoke it. I gave charge. I gave the command, and there they were. And angels are included in that. He says, praise them all as angels. Why? He commanded and they were created. Angels indeed do worship God, but not the same way. Their worship, we think, oh, choirs of angels. By the way, find the choirs of angels singing someplace. By the way, I'll show it to you in a moment, but only once. Only once. And it was a long, long, long time ago. By the way... All the Christmas songs, almost every one of them got it wrong. Angels did not come singing on Christmas morning. They just didn't. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Doesn't say they sang. But they did sing one place. We'll get to that in a moment. It also tells us that... uh, in, I'm sorry, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, the Ten Commandments, which really is the backup verse for everything that's in Genesis 1 and 2. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Notice, they were definitely part of the creation. Because if they're created beings, they had to have been created in those six days. No other place. They are not self-existing. They are not God. They're not some form of God. They are created. They're a part of the creation, not the creator. In fact, is in Romans chapter 1, it's very clear that we are to worship the creator and never worship the creation. Any kind of creation whatsoever that is worshipped is a problem. And angels are a part of the creation. So any form of angel worship or anything that even kind of looks in that direction is already a problem. They are absolutely not to be worshipped. But they indeed do worship God. So they are a direct creation. He commanded, they were created. Why were angels created? I'm glad you asked. The key verse that I would go to uh, would be Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It's on the screen in front of you. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? That's a very interesting verse and a lot in it. Notice, it is very clear. They have a ministry. So they were created by God to minister. To serve something or someone else. It also says they are spirits. Spirits do not have flesh and blood. They don't have 
meat on their bones. They don't have any of those things. You can't see a spirit. See right through it. It's not, it, it's not that it's not there. It's just you can't see it. So they're ministering spirits. So normally you don't see angels. Now, there are illustrations in the Bible, and we will look, see a few of those. Or we'll, we'll mention a few of those. For example, when three men came to Abraham, one of them was Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, a theophany. The other two were angels, but they all took on the form of men. So, in some cases, they do. At the tomb, angel was seen, form of a young man. In fact, is there he was a brilliant white, a little different than when he came to Abraham. But notice what it says. They were sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. Kind of interesting. Future tense. Those that will be saved. I look back, and now that I'm a Christian, I look back and uh, even if I didn't know the, what the Bible says, I, I think I would believe that there's something as a guardian angel of some sort. And by the way, that word is never used in the Bible. But I remember back, I didn't do drugs and I didn't do alcohol and I didn't do a few of those kinds of things. But in case anybody hasn't ever noticed, I was a motorhead from a long time ago. And young boys with motors and cars and stuff don't make a good combination. I, I, I look back and I realize that God had a plan for me and... There are a few times when I'm going, man, how did I ever survive that? How did I ever come through that? I believe that that's what it's talking about. There's more than that, but I believe it's talking about. is that he has angels. And I know it's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. That's very clear from John chapter 16. But it's also clear in the Bible that angels also work on God's behalf in people's lives even before they become saved. To Point them in that direction. Even today, angels regularly appear to those in the Arab world, in the Muslim world, and encourage people to go talk to missionaries. It's a real phenomenon. It happens all the time. Ask anybody that works among Muslims or in those countries, and they will tell you story after story that angels are still working. They're not giving the gospel. That's your job. That's what God has told you to do. But they do point people in the right direction. Angels continue to minister on God's behalf and behalf of those who will be heirs of salvation. They were also created for a second reason. We're back in Psalm 148, verse 2, which says, Praise Him, all His angels. But Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 6, says it this way, Thou alone art the Lord, thou hast made the heavens. The heaven of heavens with all their host. Remember, that means army. The earth and all that is in that, that in it, the seas and all that is in them. Thou didst give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before thee. Notice, the angels are praising him and bowing before him. He created them to serve him on our behalf, and he created them to worship him. Their worship cannot compare, as I already mentioned, to the worship you can do. Because you can say, hallelujah, I have a Savior. They can never do that. They can say, hallelujah, I've been created. You can say that one, but you can add to that because you are a new creation in Christ if you've trusted Him. If not, you need to trust Him. But the angels were uh, created to work on God's behalf, minister, bring messages, and 
to worship God. When were the angels created? Now, if you would please turn to Job chapter 38. Very unique verse. Uh, It's the only place in the Bible that there, there don't seem to be any collaborating versus any other place in the Bible, but uh, I believe we can find out a number of things from this passage that will help us to understand when were the angels created. I believe, and I'm just going to tell you ahead of time where I go with this, I believe they were created on the first day. Uh, They are identified as part of the heavens. We already read that. Uh, There's no other place where angels fit into the creation account. And I believe that they were created along with the rest of the physical universe uh, on that very first day. But the angels were absolutely created before God made the earth. Not necessarily before the heavens, but before the earth. Let's look at what Job chapter 38 says. Where, oh, by the way, the context of here is Job got a little big for his britches, as my dad used to say. Oh, you're getting too big for your britches, which means you think you know everything, you're a little arrogant and proud. Job got out of hand. Now, I know his, his buddies were, were giving him a whole lot of hassle, and he finally got tired of it. But he got a little uppity, a little arrogant, and God had to put him in his place. And God has no problem doing that. If you want to find out, just get a little uppity with God. Find out if he puts you in your place. He can very easily do that. And he was doing that with Job. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? The obvious answer was Job wasn't there. And then it goes on, tell me if you have understanding. Okay, Mr. Know-it-all, go ahead, explain it to me. Uh, Who set its measurements since you know, since you know all these things, since you know more than I do and you can answer all the questions? Go ahead, tell me. You know, inform me. Or who stretched out a line on it? You know, who set it up and laid it out? On what are its bases sunk? Who laid the cornerstone? Who started it? Who got it all started? And then he goes on in verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. If you're reading that, you go, hold it, I thought sons of God is us. I thought that is those that have trusted Christ. You would be right. But it's also used of angels. And the only way you know which one it's talking about is the context of the passage. There's no other way to know. It's not in Greek or Hebrew or anything like that. It's just you need to know the context. Well, here's what it comes down to. When was man created? Sixth day, even late on the sixth day. The second part of the sixth day. But here, it's saying that angels were already there when the earth was created. You say, well, it says, hold it a second, it says the stars. Well, that's the physical stars in the heavens. No, they weren't created until the third day. So that can't be either. So what it's talking about, and by the way, stars don't sing, not that I've ever heard, but angels possibly do. By the way, this is the only place where it talks about angels singing. Uh, Man wasn't there, so it couldn't have been men. Uh, There are no other personal beings or entities that could do this. Is It makes it pretty clear that before the earth was formed, the angels were there in the audience watching God form the earth. That's pretty cool if you're an angel. We didn't get to see that. We see the aftermath, but we didn't see that. And then it says, and the sons of God shouted for joy. In this case, angels are called sons of God. 
it makes it clear in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were created, and all their host, all their armies. That's all within those first six days. So the angels were created, I believe, the only place they fit in creation. Um, the creation account is on the first day. And uh, it just makes it clear, as, as I said before in Exodus chapter 20, Everything that God created, he created in those six days. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says, And everything that he had created was very good. That includes Lucifer, the one who eventually rebelled against God because he says, I'm not satisfied to be the highest of all the angels, the highest of all creation, the most beautiful of all creation, the closest to God. He's a cherub that covers. A cherub is one who guards the holiness, the presence of God. He said, I will be like the most high. Instead of being the highest of creation, he wanted to usurp the authority that belongs only to the creator. That's impossible, but he sure wanted to try. That's what rebels do. They try to do something impossible, even though they know it's impossible. So who are the sons of of God? Are they angels or are they man? The answer is, yes, they are. Here's what you need to understand. If you're looking at the word begot or somebody gave birth, that's one word. A child is one who has an origin. You know that. It's begotten. You know where they came from. That's what it's talking about. They had a beginning. The word son is normally used in a very different way. It literally has to do with having the same character and same nature as something else. James and John were the sons of thunder. Now, they had nothing to do with the storm, but those guys wanted to destroy everybody in their path that didn't trust Christ. And he said, you're like the sons of thunder. You know? We use it that way. Somebody's a son of a gun. You know, it's like you're, you're ready to go off. You know, we still use it that way. But here he says, sons of God. It's simply saying something like God. It doesn't say you're God, but it says something like God. For example, we already saw um, in Job chapter 38. But how about Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 where it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In other words, they're going to be acting like God. Or how about Luke chapter 20 where, whoops, I forgot to move this. Uh, Hang on. I get the right one. There we go. Okay. This is where I'm going. Luke chapter 20 verses 34 to 36. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. In other words, when we were living, we marry and we give in marriage. Okay? We, that's a normal thing. It's a natural thing that happens. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age, a new age to come, and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For neither can they die anymore, for they are like the angels. And are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. And to back that up, it also tells us uh, that they neither marry or given in marriage in the future because they're like the angels. Angels do not procreate. They don't marry. They don't procreate. There is no such thing as baby angels. They just don't exist biblically. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But we look at angels and 
they are the sons of God because and they're, they're seen that way in Job. And then also those people that have the resurrection. They have immortality of body and soul. They are sons of God also. In fact is, in Romans chapter 8 verse 14, it says, All who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. To back that up, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Notice, we take on, not because you got all that much better, but because the nature of God, His righteousness is added to you, and you become of the same character and nature of God. Not God, but you have that added to you. There's one other passage in Job uh, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, that a lot of people say, well, this is talking about angels. But if you remember, I told you, you need to look at the context. It says there, and it's before you on the bottom. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now, notice, a lot of people say, well, that's the angels giving an account to God. The context is not about angels. The context is about a righteous man named Job and his children. And about them meeting. Truth of the matter is, all it's saying is they were meeting before God and Satan stuck his nose in there. Shouldn't surprise us because the very last book of the Bible, he's still called the accuser of the brethren. He is always there and that's exactly what he was doing. He says, God, you think so much of this Job guy? Well, let me tell you something. Do this, do this, do this. And and he's going to rebel against you. He's going to turn his back. You know the rest of the story. But in that case, the sons of God, I believe, are human beings also. So again, it's used in both ways of good angels, angels that have not fallen, but also used of mankind who, has trust, who have trusted Christ. It is never used of fallen angels or, as far as I can tell, never used of unsaved human beings. It's those that have the same character, same nature that God has. Angels by creation, us by redemption. Are angels, were angels created perfect? The answer is everything that God created was perfect. That's a real simple one. We've kind of already touched on it. But the next one is, and people always want to know this, and I'm glad you ask about this too. How many angels were created? All... (laughs) I don't know who said that, but that was a good answer because uh, let's go to Jeremiah 33, 22 first. Because as the host of heaven cannot be counted and the sand of the sea cannot be measured. So what it comes down to, and we're going to look at the other passage also. We're going to find out what myriads means also in thousands of thousands. But the truth of the matter is the bottom line, nobody can count how many angels there were. If you could take on a project to count all the grains of sand and all the seashores of all the world, uh, you might come close to how many angels there are. Of course, you're not going to do that in this lifetime or multiple, multiple, multiple lifetimes. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. That's the whole point. You can't know. Myriads means 10,000. 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million And then it says thousands of thousands as that verse in uh, 1222 continues on. And thousands of thousands. So the minimum number would be 101 million angels. 
But that's the minimum number. The real answer is it's incomprehensible to the human mind. For me, anything over 20 is incomprehensible because that's the biggest bill, the most money my wife will entrust to me at one time. By the way, I can't believe John Shirey jeopardizes pizza for bugging my wife. She always threatens him with that anyway. By the way, just a side issue. I got a minute left. I got an extra minute. When John first started dating Missy, he would eat one slice of pizza. He was so scared of my wife that he couldn't even eat. He would go home and gobble everything in sight down. It took him a while to loosen up. Now he can joke with her. So anyway, she's not as bad as he thought. So anyway, but anyway, the whole point is this. You don't know how many angels there are. There's enough and there's all of them. And that's all that matters. You couldn't get the number right. I definitely couldn't get it right. What are angels like? What is it? We already looked at it that indeed they are personal beings and they are not men or women, or uh, uh, they're not mankind, they're not women, and they're not uh, children. In fact is, that is a common kind of occurrence. You see it in religious paintings, you see it all over the place in stationery and in books and, and in stories, cherubim and their little baby angels flying around and all that. You know what? Find it in the Bible. If you can find it, please tell me, but I haven't found it yet. Uh, I don't believe it's there. Or how about the good-looking angels? You know, they're some good-looking female angel. Well, guess what? Never in the Bible will you ever find an angel that's female. By the way, they're spirits. But even when they appear, they appear as a young man. Male and only male. Never as female. A lot of the things that have been going around about angels are totally wrong simply because they don't even know what an angel is, what an angel represents. They're spirits, but when they do appear, it's always as a young man. Sometimes bright white, like at the tomb. That's what this is to represent. Other times looking just like another male uh, Hebrew that uh, nobody would have known unless they were told otherwise. They, are, they have no physical body. They are not sexual beings. I started to quote and kind of botched it up, but Matthew chapter 22, verse 30 says this. For in the resurrection, they, never, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Notice, it is saying they are not sexual beings. First of all, they don't have a physical body, and they're not sexual beings, and they don't procreate. That's important to know when you continue reading through the book of Genesis. Because when you get to chapter 6, you're going to have, as I mentioned before, some really fuzzy theology if you don't understand that. And they are, there are fallen angels, of course, uh, that do all kinds of damage because they still have the same power as an angel, but now used for negative purposes. They're demons and they fell. They are never called the sons of God. They do, as I mentioned, they do take on the form of young men. How that is, what that body is like, I simply don't know because the Bible doesn't tell me anywhere that I'm aware of but they sure could be seen. Could they be touched? I don't know. 
I just don't know. Is it, what, whatever form that is, whatever that it's made of, just simply don't know because the Bible doesn't say. If you can find anything, I'd be surely glad to see it because it would make it a whole lot easier. But one of the things that God made very clear in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, where he is talking about the superiority of Jesus Christ, he says, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? And then it goes on to say, Indeed, they're ministering spirits. In other words, anything that even looks a little bit like exaltation of angels, worship of angels, overemphasizing of angels is something you better be aware of that it's probably not the real deal. So, what's the end result? Here's what I would tell you. That this whole thing is important because the original fall was not Eve. It was Satan. He wanted to be something he was not. He was the highest of creation, but wasn't satisfied with that. He wasn't satisfied for being the most beautiful creature creature God had created. And as close to God as you could ever get without being God. He wasn't satisfied with that. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'll be like the Most High. He couldn't do that. He wasn't willing to accept who he was and who God had made him. I challenge you, angels teach us something very important. Are you living and living out who God made you? First of all, he is not willing that any should perish. If you've never trusted Christ, you need to trust Christ because that's God's will for your life. He wants that for you. If you haven't trusted Christ, see me. I'd be glad to take the Bible, sit down, show you how you can know Christ is your Savior. God wants that. But... I'm going to assume that most of you have trusted Christ. And the question comes down to, do you accept who God has made you? Or are you trying to be somebody else? Trying to do what someone else is doing. I picked on Pat earlier. Nobody asked me to play the accordion because we don't want to clear this building out. They don't ask me to sing solos. Like, same reason. There's a lot of things they don't ask me to do. Because that's not me. We have to fix the church John Deere lawnmower, they'll ask me, okay? Because I'll work on that one. I can probably fix that maybe. But you know what? Be who God made you and be the best of who God made you. Use it to the fullest. Angels teach us that. Those who wanted to be something they were not, they fell. You will fall. You'll always fall on your face when you try to be. You know, you look around and say, well, I'd I'd serve the Lord if I was like so-and-so. No, you wouldn't. But I'd like that. No, you wouldn't. Because that's not you. It wouldn't work. I challenge you. The angels show us that. From the beginning, God created them to worship Him, to serve Him. He created you to worship Him and serve Him But we have a much higher calling because we've been redeemed in Christ. We've been born again, given new life, and the power to live it out, the power of the Holy Spirit. I challenge you. Don't simply exist and don't think about being somebody else. Live your life that God has given you to the fullest. Let's all stand together as we close in prayer. Father, thank you so much that... You're a God that has designed us. You've designed angels 
for your purposes, for your glory, but also to minister to others. Lord, I pray as a church, as individuals, as families, that we would reach out and use what you've given us, what you've built into us, that we would live it out for your glory and for the benefit of those around us. Lord, thanks for that reminder today. We thank you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless. Go with God.